Welcome to Reactive. I'm Khalil, and I'm here with Raquel. Hi! <laughs> Hello. Hello. Uh, sadly, we do not have a Henning this week. Um, and I think it's because uh, his house was surrounded by stoats. You ever heard of a stoat? Stoats? What is a stoat? Yeah. A stoat is a small but highly active and efficient predator which can be found all over the British Isles, which I know Florida is not technically a British island, but, or a British Isle, uh, but, you know, um, the the stoats came all the way across the Atlantic uh, to, to attack Henning's house. So he is fending off his house from stoats. Um, and, uh, but, so, uh, stoats are a lot like weasels, but they're, like, shorter-tailed or something. Um, they weigh up to 300 grams and are 15 to 30 centimeters long. So they're kind of, they're kind of, they're, they're, they're pretty decently sized. Um, and, uh, stoats prey on birds, reptiles, and small mammals, especially voles, hares, and rabbits. Um, when they're finding the prey, so this is, this is what happened to poor Henning and his family. Uh, the stoat will creep as low as possible until it's close to it. Then it leaps onto the prey with a quick jump. Um, I'm not going to talk about how the stoat kills because that's awkward. R- realistically, I don't think the stoats were actually trying to kill Henning and his family. I think they were just really excited to see Henning and his family. And so they pounced all over his house. Tickle and- attacks. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, they're very jumpy. They're very, very jumpy. Um, and uh, did you know that stoats have, uh, when they have like babies, they call them kittens. So stoats only raise one litter of kittens a year Mm -hmm. in the late spring. So it's a little bit – so I think what happened is the kittens all grew up a little bit. And so, um, you know, they're – Oh, they're they're, very cute. Yeah. Yes. And uh, parents teach their their kittens to hunt for themselves. So um, my guess is that this was an excursion to Henning's house to practice hunting by, by tickle hunting, really is what they were doing. So it's a tickle attack onto Henning and his family. Um, And so I hope that is very enjoyable, Henning. um, And we expect a full report from you next week. That's correct. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Fun, fun animal facts. Good to to know what's going on with Henning. That's always good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How have you been? (laughs) Uh, What's yeah. going on? <laughs> I've I've been I've been fine. I've been fine. I've just been a little worried about uh, what's going on over there in, in America. <clears throat> um, yeah, I don't think we're gonna uh, cover this a lot. Uh, no. but there is a there is a, a really good video about um, uh, about the whole event with the Charlottesville uh, Nazi rally and everything uh, from Vice. And I'm going to put the link into show notes because that's uh, yeah definitely something that one should see. They really had somebody some exclusive kind of footage and interviews with the the whole the Nazi Nazi crew over there and stuff. Yeah, it was very enlightening. <clears throat> yeah, but uh, other than that, um, other than all this uh, staring in disbelief over the pond. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'm in the pond, and I'm still staring in disbelief. <laughs> oh, you're in the pond? No, I'm not in the pond. No, I'm, I'm, the pond. I'm, I'm on the land on the other side of the pond, but yeah. I'm 
still staring disbelief. disbelief, Yeah. Um, Yeah. 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 It's uh, understandable. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, um, just uh, work, work going, going on. Mm -hmm. And um, there's uh, lots of uh, debugging at work going on. So not super exciting. uh, Fixing bugs. And because we're going to be launching soon for another brand, the, Ooh. the little uh, registration application that we that we built. And nice. Yeah. So that's that's ongoing. I wrote a little article about um, about how to what did I say? How to manage your Git hooks so that you can enforce them in a team. Um, yeah. Do, do you tell me about it? Yeah. So mm-hmm. so Git hooks are really cool because um, mm-hmm. you can you can do some quality checks before the code actually lands in the repository, or you can so you can check lint your code, or you can you can uh, te- you can run tests before you push to the server, for instance, um, which m- minimizes. Um, failing tests on the CI, or you can make sure that your commit messages have a certain uh, format, or uh, so you can do some validation there, or you can, uh, yeah. And what I did, so at work, what we needed, or what I really wanted, because we have a rule where we have to, so we have to post fix every commit message title with the ticket number. And the ticket number is in the branch. So it has to be in the commit because of reasons, something mm-hmm. with the CI or the uh, or Jira linking to the commits or something like that or um, mm-hmm. yeah, something of the sort. So is a requirement. And I was very annoyed because we always have to like, it also has, has to be a, a square bracket open and then ticket number square bracket closed and like you have to do it for every, and I commit often, like I don't, just do one commit for a feature I'd commit often because, um, I don't know, I'm just a compulsive committer, I guess. Uh, that's good, that's good. Compulsive committing is good. I, I think so too, yeah. It's better than I mean, not committing it, it, often enough. Right, and it's better than being afraid of commitment. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway. I had to, the opening was there, I went for it. Okay, there we go. <laughs> um, uh yeah so so i wanted to have a script that does that for me so i don't have to do it every time so some a script that at the right point in time at the right moment in the life cycle of a commit yeah uh Mm -hmm. that it takes the commit message or the title of the commit and 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 post fixes the ticket number takes the Mm -hmm. ticket number out of the branch name because the branch name also uh is prefixed with the ticket number and then uh, you post fix it, post fix the commit message with that. Um, and so I did a little research on how um, how can how can I do this in order to enforce it for the team as well, or just or to make it uh, basically um, to automatically so to basically to commit that script that does that for the commit message in the in the Git hook. And how can I commit it into the repository and then just make it so that anybody who then um, pulls the new master also has that functionality automatically happening 
so that they mm-hmm. don't have to go ahead and then copy and paste a bash script into the dot git folder because that's where the yeah. git hooks are lying right they lie into yeah. in dot git slash hooks or something like that and uh, so that is the folder that contains your git database your local git database and anything that's in there that it that is in those you know subfolders of the dot git um so there, there you have your all the hashes in there and all this stuff so it's so all the data basically that then gets pushed up and if you have anything in the in the hooks folder that just is local it's just in that hidden folder. it's also a hidden folder because it's dot git folder right so it's not very obvious uh mm-hmm. um not very obvious how to do this and so i did a little research and um found this npm package called husky and husky is a really cool package and very smart solution for this so what it does is when you install husky so you do an npm install um, save dev to the as a dev dependency what it does it installs husky normal right into your node modules but then also runs a post install script and what this post install script does it installs basically copies bash scripts into this hook hooks folder in the dot git directory and those bash scripts are basically generic scripts that will make sure that if you have an npm npm script that has the uh, same name as a git hook then it will make sure that that npm script is executed so basically, um, for instance, you want to lint all your code um, post-commit or pre-commit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Then you have to have an NPM script called pre-commit. And then in that NPM script, you can do whatever you want. You can do anything in NPM scripts, right? You can call mm-hmm. any some bash script or you can just call eslint or any node sure. modules. You can do anything. Mm-hmm. And so when so whenever you do a commit... What Git will do, so automatically, of course, it will call this Git hook that was installed by Husky, which is a bash script that just looks if you have an NPM script of the same name and then executes that for you. Yeah. So it's quite quite clever. And it's that, very clever. that means if you have Husky as a development dependency, um, then that gets, of course, committed into your repository, and anybody in your team then you know gets the new code, does a npm install, everything gets updated. Husky comes in now and also installs those bash scripts locally into your Git hooks folder, and um, and then of course you also your package JSON is also committed, and the npm scripts that are in there are also for the basically installed for the whole team, so to speak. And then um, these uh, Git hooks will automatically uh, be executed for everybody. Um, and yeah, and so this is very convenient because you can you can just you don't have to think about bash at all uh, anymore. You just um, you just think you know what would I how would I um, execute uh, whatever I want to do with uh, with um, 
npm scripts and then and that's what you that's what you do so you can put some you can put some node scripts into a scripts folder into your repository and that will all be versioned and committed into the repository and call them in in your npm scripts um, git hooks git hook commands basically um, and um, yeah and and yeah. that's basically how I solved it so I wrote a little script for for the prepare Com it's called prepare commit message um, hook. For, you know that's one of the git hooks, and it's it's a it's a git hook that is executed just before the commit message is actually written to um, to the commit or something. It's like a it's like a temporary stage for for the the git message, and in that hook you have access. To um, to the message that their user wrote. So if I wrote git commit dash m uh, fixed blah 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 blah, then I have access to that in that git commit, and then I can just add some text to it. And I also have access to the branch name. So that's how I took the I basically uh, took the ticket number from the branch and then prepended it to that git commit message, and then. I can do that during that hook, and and it's all done in in a little JavaScript script. Um, cool. That, that's that's just in a scripts folder in in the repository, and then that's in in the repository. It's committed to master. Everybody gets it, and now everybody has automatic uh, post fixing of their commit messages. Fascinating. <clears throat> yeah, so that's uh, that's super super practical and uh, really makes yeah. it viable for uh, for using Git hooks in a team because without mm -hmm. that, I don't feel like it really makes a lot of sense because then you have to otherwise you really have to like make sure that everybody copy and paste their uh, the bash mm -hmm. scripts into the right place and then you know somebody has to forgets it and or. Yeah, or doesn't yeah, understand exactly. where it goes or doesn't find the .git folder or something like that. You know, it's too, yeah. too many things that can go wrong. And with Husky, everything so just easy. is automated. That's so. awesome. Yeah, I I remember um, trying to add, oh, I forget what it was, but like, you know, maybe trying to add standard or something into a, into a commit hook, like a, a pre-commit mm -hmm. yeah. part. And then it was just really annoying because like, then I had to add like to the documentation, like, okay, we'll make sure you add this to your pre-commit, like to yeah. the get, like dot get blah, blah, blah. And it's just, I find that if I have to do extra work just to get my dev environment up and running, like I'm less likely to do it. Right. Like, cause yeah. it's, it's just like, as a dev, I want to get to the part where I'm just, doing my job. I don't want to have to, you know, do all the configuration and all that stuff. And like perfect case in point last week, I got to write code for the first time in like Yay. weeks. And I was wow. really excited about it. Um, and, and it took me 45 minutes just to get my configuration Ooh. to a point where I could mm -hmm. actually do the work. And I was super frustrated because mm -hmm. I was like, this is supposed to just work. Mm -hmm. Why doesn't this just work? Um, right. And and ultimately it was it was a configuration issue, mm -hmm. but it was still really annoying. Still mm -hmm. really annoying. So yeah, yeah, that is yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Womp womp. Yeah. But anyway, um, so that's awesome. That's super cool. I love it when when people find really cool um, modules and stuff. Yeah, and and what I thought was really clever about it is that. Um, because because I was super happy when I found it and I talked to my colleagues about it. I said, hey, I would really like to in, uh, implement this automatic uh, uh, Git hook for everybody in order to get that uh, post fixing done. And then somebody said, yeah, but what are you going to do on the CI? Like, you, Because the CI also commits um, because the, it merges branches into master and stuff. And we don't want you know Husky to run in that case. And then I was all like, oh, okay, I don't know. How do I make sure that Husky does not install all these Git hooks locally on the CI and stuff? And I started mm-hmm. thinking about it, but then I dismissed it and just started implementing it. Um, I'll just, I just figured I'll solve that problem later. And mm-hmm. then, um, and so I did everything. I, I wrote the script, I got it installed, and I pushed it to the CI and uh, or just to a repository. And then the CI, you know, did a... Um, and we so we have merge requests with GitLab, and then so when you have a merge request, then it will start. The CI starts running. It installs everything and runs tests and stuff. And then I looked at for some reason I looked at the output on the console um, from the CI, and then Husky then you know uh, logs out a message um, when it is on the CI that says, "Oh, I just noticed that I'm on a CI. I'm not going to execute the post install script." What? <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow. wow. That's amazing. That's really cool. That's so it's really it's clever, you know, like they really thought about mm-hmm. the little details. So that was really yeah. cool. So so I, I so I went into the code in order because I was really interested into uh I was really interested in finding out how do they do that? You know, like how do they know that they're on a CI and then don't do stuff. So right. um so I found that they are using um, a little module that is called is CI and basically that's the test right so they just execute the module and then the module tells them oh I'm on a CI or I'm not on a CI and what's funny about the is CI uh, package is that it just has one line of code and uses another <laughs> package that's called CI info <laughs> <laughs> and that CI info package is basically a collection of known environment variables that that you know exist on known CIs and they just check mm-hmm. that list if if any of these variables are available and if they are then they know they're on a CI and that's basically how they check it. Mhm. Yeah. That's fine. That's cool. <laughs> I love it when people use uh <laughs> When people use like I don't know the whole many small modules approach to to yeah. things, it's pretty great. It's pretty great. Yeah, That's cool. awesome. I'm I'm yeah. happy to hear. And that. it was really and it was really easy to uh, to jump from module to module uh, on GitHub because I installed I think it's some Chrome pack uh, Chrome extension that I installed that links the package names in like the require statement, the package name to the actual Git repository of that package. Okay. Yeah, that's really cool because then you don't nice. have to search for it or anything. It just links to it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we try to do that. Um, speaking of which, uh, at work right now, I mean, as you know, I'm a, I'm a manager, so I don't really get to code very much. Mm-hmm. But um, we're, uh, I'm, I'm, 
overseeing lots of different projects happening and um, I'm really excited about our our new website. Um, it's still a little ways away, but it is super fast. It's oh. super, super fast. It's okay. going to be really fun. Um, people are going to be like, whoa, this is so fast. Why is this so fast? And we're going to be like, because okay. we did good engineering. <laughs> okay. And what are you using there? What, um, how, so how we're using we're using React. Mm-hmm. Um, on, on the front end. Um, and then on the back end, we're using a framework that we've developed in-house, which is kind of like, um, imagine a next generation express or similar, but using ES6. Um, so it's got ES6 from, from the get go. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that we Hold can. Hold on, you wrote your that. own framework. Framework. Yeah. Why? <laughs> because reasons <laughs> okay so there's so many specific special requirements that you have in uh, yeah in- well so we're using this um so we're using this framework throughout many of our services throughout npm mm-hmm. um and the thing was that we were using restify um uh, for a lot of our back-end services and that was decently good but it needed a little bit, like there were a few things that we were missing. I don't know all the technical details because I didn't build it at all, but um, apparently like we wanted something that we could have, uh, like it has middleware just like Restify and Express does. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also does like automatic metrics and um, a whole bunch of other things. So okay, um, yeah, we're, 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 We've been talking about open sourcing it, and it's definitely something that we want to do. Um, the only tricky thing about open sourcing something is maintaining the open source community, mm-hmm. um, and we are very, very, very busy. So okay. we'll see. But um, so is it? Is it very? Is it like basically like Express? Just like very inspired by Express, and then it just adds. Um, other things like analytics and stuff, or um, it's really more inspired by um, by uh, what did I just say? Um, Restify. Restify. Thank mm-hmm. you. I was okay. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very inspired by Restify, um, and then we've added views um, uh, okay. to it. So because Restify doesn't really have views, a view mm-hmm. like a view engine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's kind of where it's coming from, um, but yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool, and we've been playing a lot with um, with React and Webpack and Babel and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think anybody who's played with Webpack can attest. Like we we recently got Hot Reload working within our within our configuration. It was very exciting, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but it took a while. Because yeah. Webpack is not necessarily the most um, uh, the easiest to use for specific situations yeah. um, or special situations. Um, I think I think if people are using the same kind of like basic type of stuff, um, it's fine. But as yeah. soon as you go special snowflake, it gets to be a little bit. It, it gets complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what I heard, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you did use Happy before, right? For the website. We did use Happy before, yeah. But um, Yes. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, we're using this other um, this other framework because everything else in our system is using it as well. And so having right. one system that we can use for the website, for the various services, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, means that we can we can have one engineer who's on call and they can try to understand what the heck is going on throughout yeah, any totally service. Yeah, totally makes sense, of right? course. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a scaling issue. Totally. Um, and it seems to be like people are, are really excited about it um, internally nice. to NPM. Um, they're like, wow, this makes a lot of sense. This mm-hmm. is this makes some good trade-offs. Um, but before we can open source it, we need to document it a bit more and uh, be ready to actually uh, you know, uh, you need be to able clean to it up basically. Also, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So we've got a little bit of work to do on that. <laughs> so, so is it, is it, it, is JavaScript basically taking over after the first render or something like that? Is that what you're doing? Um, so we're, we're doing a lot of server-side rendering. Um, so it, right. it, it starts off with server-side rendering and then, and then, yeah. And then the JavaScript kind of takes over. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And we're just kind of doing that. Um, yeah, that's cool. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. really cool. It's really fast. But yeah, I've, you, um, you just have reminds, to believe me on that. <laughs> it remi- it, I believe you. I, I, it reminds me of uh, Gatsby. Gatsby. Have you heard of Gatsby? JS? Yeah, it's um, it's also it's a basically a static uh, site generator on steroids uh, that is, ba- is made with React. So you write React code in order to mm-hmm. um, create the pages and stuff, and then it has the same kind of philosophy or uh, or a system where it generates it does server side rendering for the first render, and then JavaScript takes over. And when you go to GatsbyJS dot com it is or something like that um then yeah it's also impressive how fast it really is it's really mm-hmm. so i don't know maybe to do some prefetching as well i'm not sure but it's really really fast cool very good very interesting very cool yeah and it's very powerful like it uses um so it has a plugin system where you can basically provide certain like any type of data source uh for the pages so you can for instance content full which is the cms that doesn't have views which mm-hmm. is really just a content um management system mm-hmm. is make making great strides currently and is um pretty good and just has rest interfaces or something um mm-hmm. uh, in order to get to the content um they have a plugin for that and for graphql and all kinds of different stuff so yeah it's a, seems to be a really uh interesting software and it's just went version one recently so cool yeah, it's cool stuff cool <clears throat> and right. i was today i saw that prettier so do you remember prettier yes um are you using prettier at NT- npm no we're not um we we use standard um right right so so prettier uh i just saw to because i because we i was thinking i'm trying to um initiate um an evaluation for us at work to see if prettier would make sense for us and i wanted to see because we write um typescript i wanted to see if prettier supports typescript and i heard that there's either a fork or there was something called prettier ts or something like that and so i looked looked it up and i found that actually since uh a, a minor version ago 
um, Prettier itself supports TypeScript. And not oh, only that, yeah, and not only that, it now supports also CSS, SCSS, less JSON, uh, GraphQL, and other things. And I was like, wow, they're really, um, they're really working hard on making this the ultimate kind of tool for pretty printing of all kinds yeah. of code and wow. um, yeah so i'm very impressed with uh with how fast they're they are and um definitely looking forward to to, to trying it out and seeing if it would make sense for us and mm -hmm. um yeah so one concern was that we had was you know maybe we don't like how it's pretty printed but there are definitely a bunch of options you you you, you uh, that you have in order to override defaults um mm. so nice. so we'll see i mean it's, it seems like any anybody uh, people who use it they're all saying that it has improved their their lives incredibly like there's really like that's basic that's what they say it's not even uh exaggerated that's how they write about prettier so i'm very curious about that wow yeah people always yeah. like yeah, it has changed my life or something like improved <laughs> development uh, like uh, um, uh, Silis today also on Twitter said that it improved his development experience by a hundred percent or something like that so that's, uh, I would like to see the data on that thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I'll definitely you know, check it out that's cool it's very cool uh, so many tools so little time <sighs> Yeah, but some of the tools they they seem to stick and they they are persistent. Mm. So yeah, it gives you that yeah. gives you time to check them out and see if it works. That's it true. Makes sense for you. Thank yeah. goodness for that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Very cool. Yeah. So what else happened uh, in your life? Oh, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think. The last <laughs> the last week has just been kind of like a a whirlwindy blur of things. Um, now it's just been a lot of a lot of work um, mm -hmm. and you know keeping keeping people happy, healthy, and thriving because that's what management is. Um, and that's what good management is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> totally. Totally. Um, I've been been reading. Kind of a, a um, kind of a, a shortened a summary of this book called The Lean Startup. Have you heard of this? Um, yes. Um, yes. Yeah, it's like super super popular, um, and it's been around for ages and ages. And I only just decided to read the summary uh, recently, mm -hmm. but it it's it talks a lot about kind of like the stuff that we've I think a lot of us have kind of figured out innately anyway. Um, at least in in this current age of, of web development. But the idea is basically like build something, build it fairly quickly. It doesn't have to be feature complete, but then use a use the thing that you've built to kind of get user feedback yeah. so that you can build a, a better thing mm -hmm. um, and then constantly iterate with the user feedback, which mm -hmm. I think is really... 
Like it seems kind of obvious. And yet I've worked at a lot of places where they don't really do that, right? Like they kind of think, well, I think I know what the, what the user wants. So let's just build it and let's make it beautiful and perfect and wonderful. And then we'll launch it. And then Nobody sometimes it. it works mm-hmm. and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and the whole premise of this book is the reason why startups fail. Well, one of the reasons why startups fail uh, is that, People don't actually talk to the people who, or like the creators of the product, don't talk to the the hope the users of the product, yeah. and thus they end up building the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, trying to keep things relatively lean, as in like, um, in the process of trying to make the most perfect, wonderful, fantastic thing, you end up spending a lot of money. Um, and especially in the case of a startup, it might be all of your money. And so, like, people, uh, early founders tend have a tendency to um, to blow all their money on one shot, right? And it's like, yeah. it doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. You could approach this from a more scientific uh, way, which I thought was kind of nice because I'm pretty sciencey. So yeah, it's a very scientific way, and it also pro and it also promotes it promotes just extreme pragmatism, I find, mm-hmm. and and also emotional de- detachment from the product. So mm-hmm. you know, like even if you put in like hours and weeks of work or whatever, don't get too in love in with your work because that's not what. That, that it's just not relevant. What's the only thing that's relevant is is uh, whatever you built or you're about to build interesting for somebody that will use it. Like because the ultimate goal is you want to make money and you want users to use your stuff, and um, and that is that is something that is I think I think very challenging for a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. that f- from the beginning don't go with the lean startup, startup way, but do this, what you just described, you know, like imagining what the user wants and then build it. And then, and then f- f- for those people, there's a lot of uh, emotional attachment to what they build. It's a baby and da, 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 da. And then it's very hard to, to understand or even, f- or, or, or even when they have all the data in front of them, it's hard for them to say, okay, we got to scratch everything and build this other thing that people obviously want. And for that, we have to basically throw away everything we did so far. And, and what the Lean Startup methodology also is, it's, it's basically um, a method, a scientific method that helps you to find the specific point, finds you, uh, no, what is the best way to say it? It, it is basically um, getting you to the pivot as fast mm. as you as fast as you can so that you don't you know dabble too long in the wrong product but you find mm-hmm. very very quickly you find out very very quickly um if you have to change the product and then it gives you the chance right. uh, as soon as possible to change the product and then um mm-hmm. and then actually launch something that people want right yeah right is i find it very very clever and very um pragmatic and and very good very good information Mm -hmm. in there yeah yeah i it was very 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 popular when i first Mm -hmm. got into the industry about five years ago and Mm -hmm. like 
people were were like buying them for their entire company and like mm-hmm. all this stuff and like all the managers and blah 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 and I was just I was like this is too popular this can't be good <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I never read it and then um, I, I was waiting for a, a copy to arrive so I found a a, a summary um, and and just reading the summary I was like oh like. Yes, this makes perfect sense, but I do appreciate that it's coming at it from a scientific perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. So, so yeah, so that's kind of what I've been up to is just been <laughs> checking in on random things, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's awesome. He, Eric Ries, who's the author of the Lean Startup, he also just he just uh, is about to release another book called The Startup Way. I don't mm. know exactly what it is about, but um, I ordered it anyway. I pre-ordered mm. it anyway because I really like this guy. Like he's, uh, and I really liked his last book. So um, I'm pretty, pretty much. Uh, I'm pretty sure that I will find the book interesting. So <laughs> I pre-ordered it. <laughs> uh, he's also really amazing in interviews. And he has lots of interesting stories to tell. One of my favorite uh, stories is where he said that. <laughs> um, He once had an idea for a startup and built it and took a whole year to build it and launched it and nobody downloaded it at all. <sighs> that's the worst. <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing. Like, And he said he could have just put up a website with a dead download link mm-hmm. in a day and could have found out that nobody wants that. Mm-hmm. You know what I, what I mean, and that is and that is basically the extreme version of the minimal viable product, right? Yeah, is like the just put up a link with a download, and then that maybe links to a page that says, "Oops, uh, you know something went wrong," or uh, "Soon right. it's coming soon," or something like that, and then and collect email addresses, and then you can see, oh, there's like a hundred people who would actually download this thing, which is good, or you right. can see that there's actually nobody. Who would want this? So you try something else right away. <laughs> It's the quickest mm-hmm. way to go to the to get to that point. And that was one of the reasons why he developed that method in order to uh, to find something that people actually want. And then he has a lot of right. a lot of anecdotes about the startup that he did that actually worked, which was some like some virtual chat thingy with avatar avatar avatars and stuff like that, where they did. Um, a lot of user testing all the time, like and and asking the users and testing data, you know, uh, 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 collecting data about how they react to features, and then in A/B testing and constantly, and then and in, in, in found out um, lots and lots and lots of different things that they would have never expected that mm-hmm. the user wanted. Right, so and that they often found out that they, as developers, would work on the wrong feature, you know, features mm-hmm. that are actually features that the user would not use, and then found out that um, they wanted something completely different. What they would have never, which th- things that are extremely easy to implement sometimes, but you would, as a developer, you would never think about it, you know, because mm-hmm. you always you tend to think about you know more complicated features that, you know, right. because then because it to your mind that adds value because it's a lot of work to do it. But actually mm-hmm. sometimes it's just a few lines of code and that adds like tons of value for the user because the user doesn't care about how much code you, <laughs> you write. So <laughs> yeah. Lots of, yeah. Lots of interesting yeah. stories that guy has. 
Indeed. <clears throat> and there are some updates on SoundCloud. Oh, yeah? What's, yeah. what's going on? Yeah, so what's going on is that they um, managed to raise money, on, uh, lots of money, under a certain condition, if I understand that correctly. Okay. And the condition is that the current CEO, whose name is Alex Jung or something like that, he okay. um, he's been he he's been having the uh, position of the CEO and the chairman and maybe a third one. I don't know. He was at least the two, and mm-hmm. um, he's going to. So the condition is that he uh, is not the CEO anymore. So somebody mm-hmm. else is coming in. Uh, so he's going to be the chairman. And then there's a, the CEO is going to be the ex Vimeo CEO, and then there's a second person from Vimeo also coming in to SoundCloud. And um, uh, let me see, here's the article. So they they're definitely so how much are they raising? They're raising a hundred and seventy million. Um. So he is going to be, he's going to stay in the company. Alex Jung is going to stay in the company. or and uh, But there's a different CEO, a different CEO. The Vimeo CEO is taking over. And um, he's going to concentrate and think on product or community, one of the two things. And um, um, yeah, so that means, apparently means that that SoundCloud is basically getting another chance. Um, and hopefully that CEO can mm-hmm. can can really help. I don't know. I mean, Vimeo is a great company, so uh, yeah, I think, and they really did a great job in their little video niche. Um, mm-hmm. Did a lot for creators and uh, are sustainable, I think. And um, mm-hmm. so maybe some of that. So I think it's it could it's definitely one of the better choices. For a for uh, a CEO, um, yeah. From from what the expertise is, so yeah, we'll see. Yeah, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it'll work out. I know, like SoundCloud is is a really unique platform to mm-hmm. me in the music space because it's it's the only platform I've seen where I can access certain types of music. Like I can't, uh-huh. like especially independent music makers who just want to kind of share their stuff, like. They, that's how I find like most stuff on SoundCloud. It's, it's friends or friends of friends or something that are like, Hey, listen to my set or listen to my whatever. And I'm like, Oh, cool. Um, and it's just really easy. But Mm. at the same time, like they were not making much money. (laughs) Like, I I don't know what their business model is. I don't know if they had a business model. I know I never paid for a thing. Um, So yeah, they they do have a business model. Yeah. You, you have different pricing tiers for more space mm-hmm. and more analytics data. And sure, they, but but like maybe maybe that's the issue though, right? Like you're paying the person who's creating the music has to pay mm-hmm. as yeah. compared to the listener, which yeah. I think is very it's the opposite of something like Spotify. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, they the, tried the, to launch the streaming service uh, SoundCloud mm-hmm. Go, but that pretty much didn't work. Yeah. I, 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 wrote, I, 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 wrote, I, I read a really a shocking article about, you know, um, 
about what Alex Jung was going on about. Like when he was like in the last years, he was basically a like an absent CEO. And I found that very um, uh, disconcerting. Um, and I, like in that moment, when I wrote that article, uh, when I wrote, when I read that article, I felt like, oh, I don't want to, I don't, I don't believe in SoundCloud anymore, if that's true, because they were writing about, you know, him constantly being, you know, on conferences and then talking and, 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 you know, traveling everywhere and, and uh, going to Burning Man, like Burning Man was a bigger priority than actually saving his company or, you know, being there with his employees in, 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 during hard moments in, in, in the life of that company where lots of the employees were hoping that he would be around, you know, when, when at the company retreats or when they were having problems with the company. And he was just in the end, he was just not there. He was just, you know, partying and like they could follow him on Instagram and his escapades or whatever, right? And that's totally like, of course, you would lose um, trust and hope mm -hmm. in the company, you know, as an employee. Absolutely. So I think it's definitely, it makes sense that he's removed as a, C as a CEO because it just, it seems like he's not in it anymore or maybe it was too much mm -hmm. to to be um ceo and chairman even though i don't have no clue what a chairman is and what they do like oh a chairman um so the chairman of the board so the board uh is um, a team of of people uh who are basically the ceo's boss um they're the only people who can basically fire the ceo mm -hmm. um and the board consists of People who are personally or like some of them may be personally invested in the company, i.e. like they're actually literally the investors of the company. Uh -huh. um, so usually when you raise a round, uh, the person who leads the round from the VC uh, or the venture capitalist company um, will sit on the board as well. And um, and so like they help define the direction of the company. They give advice to the CEO. They um basically look at numbers and they go, where is this company going? How do you plan to do this and that or whatever? And so like, while they're not involved in the day to day, they are involved in like the month to month and they want to just see how things are going. So the chairman of the board um, is basically the one who uh, sits at the front, at the, at the head of the table and basically says, okay, so how like, you know, you and you and you, what do you think about these things? Like, let me introduce you to this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And so the chairman does not necessarily have to be the CEO. Um, in many cases, they're not. In other cases, they are. So it's it it really depends on who you want to be kind of like the leader of the board, which is not necessarily the leader of the company. Um, and yeah, basically they run the meetings. Like more often than not, they just run the meetings. Mm -hmm. um, so... Um, often what happens is when a CEO is outed, uh, they might stay on the board so they can continue to kind of give advice to whoever the new CEO is about the direction of the company and blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah. But yeah. Their, Michael, their role is really yeah. diminished as a chairman. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my goal is to one day sit on a pretty, a multiple boards if I can. Because basically for for-profit, companies um so you know there are for-profit and non-profit companies but 
for for-profit companies, uh, the board members will get paid. So it's basically you get paid to share your opinion about stuff. And that's kind of like the perfect idea, perfect job for me. Mm-hmm. Like if I could just get paid to tell people my opinion, mm-hmm. I'm so into that. Totally. I want to do that. Like, yeah, and they get that. paid, they get paid really well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like the board member of like, like the board, board members of like Apple and IBM and, and Google, mm-hmm. they get paid like lots of money just mm-hmm. to hang out like once a month. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Pretty freaking sweet. I'm like, mm-hmm. I want that job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but getting that job is really hard. Yeah. So, of course. yeah. So anyway. So that's what a chairman does. Um, okay. And um, yeah, so that's, yeah, that's what he's gonna do. Yeah. But uh, apparently, it's not. They didn't. They didn't get the money yet, and it's still. They're still raising. So. Um, huh. But that's. But that seems. That's apparently the direction. Yeah. I see. Yep. All right. Well, you know. We can be hopeful again. Um, <laughs> they survive. We'll see. SoundCloud, don't go, don't, don't go. go. It's a, it's a kind of an iconic company when it comes to audio, really. Is, yeah, uh, it is. It is, and uh, would be sad to see it go. That's for sure, because there's nothing to replace it at this moment in time, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, already. Anything else? Um. I think uh, at the end of our time, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, give or take. Um, well, anyway, um, all these conversations and more can continue uh, on our Slack channel. So if you go to reactive.audio and scroll on down uh, past the show notes, you can find a link to get into our Slack um, you know, pretty easily. So come join us and, and talk about all sorts of cool, fun things. Um, uh, get get sneak previews of Khalil's medium posts before he mentions them on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's worth more than gummy bears. I mean, I mean, it's worth the price of admission. I think. Yes, that's definitely yes. that's yes. the exact worth. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's free. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But you should totally join anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, so we are always happy. Uh, if you like the show, would love uh, for you to uh, send us a review. You'll find the link to the reviews in the show notes as well. And um, we are Reactive Pod on the Twitters. And I am Khalil Tweets on the Twitters. And our non, uh, non-available co-host is H. Gladagots on Twitter. Yes, and I am Rockbot on the Twitters, and um, you know, say hey. We like hearing from you. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, it friends. Is. Stay safe. Stay keep safe. coding. That's right. And um, have a great week. Yes, thank you. You too. Definitely. Bye. Bye. <laughs>